Today we are continuing our series of sermons from the book of Daniel under the theme Culture Clash. And the lesson that I'll be using in reference to from the book of Daniel is from chapter 5. I read the first part of that um, today as part of our first lesson. And I'll be referencing that as well as the rest of the context from that chapter. And one of the things we need to realize is that we live in a world that is full of pride, a world that is absorbed with self. So much so that we're willing to lie to ourselves and to lie to others. And today, throughout our lesson, we're going to see how it is that we're able to defend ourselves from those lies and defend others as well. Now, if you begin coughing up blood one day, would it be wise to tell yourself, I'm indestructible, this means nothing? If you're a doctor and a patient comes to you coughing up blood, and you look at the patient's x-rays and you see that there are four large tumors in the patient's lungs, is it the loving thing to do to tell him, you're fine, just go home and go about your day as usual? King Belshazzar, the grandson of King Nebuchadnezzar, who we heard about last week, who was filled up with his pride, was like the man who was coughing up blood and telling himself everything is okay. You see, his kingdom was crumbling all around him. The armies of the joint forces of the Medes and the Persians were gathered outside the city gates of the capital of Babylon, the city of Babylon where he was living. Reason for concern, wouldn't you think? Not for King Belshazzar. He thought it was a wonderful time, the perfect time to celebrate, to have a party. So he gathered together 1,000 of his nobles and their wives, his wives and his concubines, and they all began to celebrate, to drink, to feast, and to make merry. And he got the bright idea during the midst of his celebration that it would be a good thing to bring in the gold and silver goblets, the, the cups from the Lord's temple in Jerusalem, fill them with wine and other alcoholic beverages, and drink a toast to the gods of Babylon, the gods, the gods of wood and stone and gold and silver. Because those are the gods who overpowered the gods of Israel. Those are the gods who are going to now defend them from the armies that are outside of the city gates. Was he speaking the truth to himself? No, he had put his head in the sand. He was lying to himself. He was failing to learn from history. His very near family history. Last Sunday, we heard how his grandfather, King Nebuchadnezzar, had taken glory for all of the power and majesty and authority that he had now achieved. Look at what I have built for myself, he said. And the Lord humbled him. 
the Lord caused Nebuchadnezzar to become insane to the point where he went out in the fields, he ate grass like a cow, and he slept out in the fields at night, and his hair and his fingernails all grew long. But King Belshazzar didn't learn from his grandfather's mistakes. He continued down the same path. Why? Why is it that one generation doesn't learn from the sins of the previous generation? Kids, teenagers, I've got a question for you. Any of you roll your eyes recently because your moms and dads gave you some advice? You know, like, if you don't get your sleep, you're going to get sick. Or better watch who you run around with or hang around with because bad company corrupts good character. And you know, if you make a mistake, own up to it. Tell the truth. Lying just makes more trouble for yourself and for others. Do you know why your parents understand that those are bad things? Because they did them themselves. And they suffered the consequences. So why is it then that one generation thinks it can commit the same sins, do the same foolish things as the generation before it, and not suffer the consequences? Why? Because of pride on the inside. Each generation thinks that somehow, in some way, it is better than, superior to, the generation that was before it. And it's the same repackaged lie that the serpent threw up at Eve in the garden. You will not surely die. You can do it, and you will get away with it. It will all be fine. Don't worry. Be happy. Belshazzar had fallen for it. And so he was throwing a party. It was time to celebrate in his eyes. And so we lie to ourselves because of our sinful pride. And not just about the things we can do and maybe get away with, but we also lie about our God and what he tells us in the scriptures. Our culture lies about God. And it's even entrenched in many ways in Christian culture. You've heard the saying, right, God hates the sin but loves the sinner? That's not absolutely true. Is God going to punish sin? Does he really say that in his word? The Bible doesn't say uh, the sin, it will die. It says the sinner is the one who will die in the book of Ezekiel. It is not the sin that will spend time in outer darkness, but it is those who committed the sins of adultery, of lying, of murder, of disobedience. When I was five years old, my father told me one day, stop hitting the dog. And I responded to my dad, Daddy, I didn't hit the dog, the stick did. But it wasn't the stick that spent the next 30 minutes standing in a corner. 
God will not punish sin. He will punish the sinner. The soul who sins is the one who will die. And if we ignore that, we will end up like Belshazzar, of whom we are told that very night, Belshazzar, king of the Babylonians, was slain. And so we need someone to speak truth to us. To open our eyes to the realities about our relationship with God and our lives here on this earth. To make our situation absolutely clear. While Belshazzar was mocking the Lord with this party where he was blaspheming God by drinking out of God's goblets and then crediting his gods with making him king and keeping him king, you know, that would be like today us during Veterans Day honoring Kermit the Frog for the freedoms we have as a nation. He's not real. He made no sacrifice. He gives no defense. Belshazzar was giving credit where credit was not due. He had his head in the sand. Doom was coming. And then reality struck Something completely unnatural, something that was nightmarish occurred. Fingers appeared in thin air. Human fingers. And they began to write on the plaster of the banquet hall where they were celebrating. Nobody could read the words. No one understood the meaning Belshazzar turned pale. His knees wobbled together and knocked together like wet noodles. He didn't know what it meant. So he called for his astrologers, his enchanters, and his practitioners of the dark arts. They had no idea either. They were all standing there scratching their heads, but it was the queen's mother who realized that there was a man in the past who had interpreted the dreams of King Nebuchadnezzar. She said, call him. And that man was Daniel, the prophet of the Lord. Daniel came in, and God revealed to him the writing that was on the wall, so he knew what the words were and could interpret them. And the message wasn't good. It was a message of doom for the king. The words read, Mene, Mene, Tekel, Parson. Mene, Mene, mentioned twice, was an emphasis of the same word, and it means counted, numbered. It meant the king's days were counted. They were numbered. And this was a fixed thing. It was a sure thing. Tekel means weighed. The life of King Belshazzar had been weighed on God's scales of justice, and it had been found wanting. It didn't measure up. It came up short. And then Parson, the kingdom would be torn from him, divided and given to the enemies who were outside the gate. If you were Daniel, would you pass that message on to the king? You know what they do to messengers who bring bad news, right? They shoot the messenger. 
So should Daniel be like the surgeon or the doctor who sees these lumps on someone's, these tumors on someone's lungs, and simply says, oh, it's just fine? Should he tell King Belshazzar a positive message? Oh, this means that God is on your side. He's going to defend you from your enemies. And after all, the king had promised that whoever was able to interpret the meaning would receive wealth and honor and authority. Wouldn't Daniel be serving his own best interests by simply passing on a lie? Yeah. But as a man of God, Daniel was not interested in serving his own needs, his own wants, and his own future. He cared more about the Lord, and he cared more about people. And so he shared the truth with King Belshazzar. Why would God have Daniel share the truth of those words with the king? Why did God write on those things on the wall? Why not just let that trap spring on Belshazzar out of the blue? Well, I have another question for you. Why does God warn any of us when it comes to our sins? Why not just send down right now fire and brimstone on this whole world, wipe out the whole lot of us, and you know what? Sin would disappear, right? Why doesn't God do such a thing? Because God has had something else written, not on the plaster of a wall, but, in the, but on the pages of Scripture. He said this to his people. He said to them, I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but rather that they turn from their ways and live. Turn, turn from your evil ways. Why will you die? The Lord warns because the Lord loves. And so in love, he warned King Belshazzar. And God has a history of doing that. Remember Noah? It took him 120 years to build the ark. 120 years of hammering and sawing and cutting down trees. And that was all evidence to the world around him that judgment was coming. Turn from your ways. The Lord sent Jonah to the city of Nineveh. And Jonah said, 40 more days, the city will be overturned. The city repented and the Lord relented. And then we have Jesus in Jerusalem saying with his heart breaking, how often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, and you were not willing. We hide our heads in the sand. We try to deny our guilt, pass the blame, say that others are responsible for the evil that we've done. You've been there, right? I've had a tough day. I get to chew you out now. I'm acting badly and I have these addictions because my parents deprived me of good things when I was a child. I was bullied at school. People aren't treating me well at work. And so, if I do sinful and horrible things, don't look at me. 
look out there. We need somebody to tell us the truth that the soul sins of the soul who will die. The Lord tells us that because he loves us, because he cares. If the doctor tells the patient who has tumors on his lungs that it's all good, will the patient desire a treatment? No. And so the Lord our God wants us to know the truth for ourselves and he wants us to share the truth with others that we have a disease that will lead to an eternal death so that he can remind us that there's a cure there's a cure for you and for me and it's free it costs us nothing and it comes from the one who is the son of the most high God Mene, mene, tackle parson. Those words which were applied to King Belshazzar would apply to you and me. God has numbered our days. It is destined for man to die once and after that to face judgment. Mene, tackle. God has weighed us on his scales. All our righteous acts are like filthy rags. We don't measure up. And Parson, we deserve to have every good and comfortable thing ripped away from us and divided. But you know what God did? He took that son of his who measured up in every way, whose days were numbered on this earth because he was attached to a beam of wood, and there God took what was his and gave it to you and me and took what was ours and put it on him. And the result of that is that through faith in him, now you do measure up before God. And that book that God has where he's written in every deed of your life, things you've done, things you've failed to do, the book that condemns you, well, guess what? That has been overwritten in red ink, red ink that is the blood of Jesus Christ. And you know what it says there now? Under your name in that ledger, it says, Holy to the Lord. Holy to the Lord. That's what you are in Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And that means that you have a completely different future now. Instead of being shut out in darkness, you have a God who is eager to welcome you into his presence. And that's what you stand to gain because... Jesus. Though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor so that you through his poverty might become rich. I think you've all heard of people who have given up a kidney so that someone else can live. Have you ever heard of anyone give up two kidneys so that two people can live? I haven't. To give up two kidneys is to give up your life. Jesus gave up everything for you so that you could have his life. His life with the Father. And brothers and sisters, that is the truth that sets us free from the handwriting we see on the wall in the world all around us. The hurricanes, the droughts, the daily obituaries, they all tell us the day is coming when we're going to die and we're going to face judgment. 
But Jesus reminds us that we will not die, but we will live in him because he lives forever. So remember that holy to the Lord written in red ink in the blood of Jesus? Think of that when you come in a few minutes to this table and receive the body and blood of Jesus. Your guilt is gone. Your place in heaven is secure. Write those words on your hearts as you leave. Remember those words and share them because that is the truth that will set you and the world free. Amen.